0: One in five New Zealand adults suffers from chronic pain, and that is around 770,000 people. The pain isn't going to reduce. In 25 years or so, it's estimated there'll be one and a quarter million people And constant, persistent or recurring pain, pushing the cost of trying to alleviate it into the billions, $24 billion is the figure put on that by the Australian and New Zealand College of Anesthetists in research commissioned just before COVID arrived. So the anaesthetists said we needed, then, that we needed four times as many pain clinics to bring us up to speed internationally. Chronic pain is now recognized internationally as a disease in its own right. What can be done about your pain, if you have it, that can maybe avoid or reduce the need for pills? Dr. Whitney Scott. Is a lecturer in clinical health psychology at King's College, and she also works at the input pain unit at Guy's and St Thomas's Hospital in London. Hi, Whitney.
1: Hi. Nice to meet you.
0: Nice to have you on. Before we ask uh, what works for pain, I know you're also interested in the stigma of being in pain. And we can, understand, yeah. we can understand some of that, I think, broadly. You know, you don't want to talk about being in pain all the time if you have it, and people don't want to hear it, probably. But your concerns go beyond that, yeah?
1: I guess in some ways it's related, uh, primarily thinking or kind of knowing that pain in many ways is an invisible illness. So it's very difficult for other people to know that someone is in pain unless you tell them. Um, particularly when pain is persistent or chronic um, unlike you know maybe a broken arm or you might have a cast that's you know an obvious sign that a person um, has an injury or might be in pain uh, persistent pain doesn't work in the same way and many people struggle with how do you communicate something that's you know invisible and particularly something as complex as persistent pain which for many people when they go to the doctors and have medical investigations there's not a one-to-one relationship between the pain they feel and what shows up on these medical investigations so that can be a very difficult thing to communicate and because of that um, there is you know misunderstanding and in some cases questioning of a person's pain
0: yes yes why do we feel constant pain you've written that it serves no survival function like burning your finger on a hot plate it's there for no good reason it seems
1: Yeah, it's a really good question. And it's as with most things with persistent pain in particular, it's a really complex question. So if I were to touch um, a hot stove, that pain that I feel is really useful because it motivates me to remove my hand from the stove, therefore preventing further injury. Uh, In the case of persistent pain, it's kind of like those signals are going, even though there's no longer an ongoing injury in many cases. And for many people, in fact, with pain, um, there was no um, initial injury, and yet they still feel pain that's very, very real. And this is for a complex range of what we call biopsychosocial reasons. So there's, you know, Biological reasons that um, can contribute to persistent pain, including a person's genetics, um, you know, differences or alterations in their nervous system. And we know that the thoughts and feelings that a person has about pain can impact on how much it affects them and particularly how much, um, how disabled they are by pain. And we also know that aspects of a person's social environment, such as how supportive people are around them. And, you know, their cultural uh, beliefs and systems around them, that can also impact on the pain that they feel.
0: And you've just entered the territory which we used to call psychosomatic. I don't think that's a fashionable word now. But that adds to the judgment by society, doesn't it? That adds to the questioning of pain. And you can't, I've read you also, you read you say you can't see it on an MRI scan necessarily. Mm -hmm. So this makes it, I know it's partly in the mind of the beholder in terms, you've just said in terms of, you know, the severity in a sense, but it's real. It's not imagined.
1: Certainly. And I think that's where it's always tricky, these conversations. And as a psychologist, I know even my presence here can sometimes be seen as suggesting that we think that, you know, pain is in a person's head. And certainly, that's not what I want to communicate here. And absolutely, the term psychosomatic, I think, is unhelpful. All pain uh, is biopsychosocial, and it is all very, very real. And we know that pain is not just the physical sensations a person feels in their body. It also interrelates with their thoughts and feelings about those sensations
0: understood and getting to nuts and bolts as it were you see the truly truly profound life inhibiting results of chronic pain and i'm assuming often in people who would just simply love to live more active back to normal sorts of lives
1: and people talk about you know just the many many ways in which it touches all aspects of their lives from you know their emotional well-being their interpersonal relationships, their job, their finances, their sense of who they are. We support people on the suffering that comes with pain and that, you know, broader life impact. So that's very much um, what I do.
0: Yeah. Can I ask you about acceptance and commitment therapy? And I imagine that for for a percentage of people listening who are in pain and hearing that phrase, if they haven't heard it before, There may be an instant feeling of defeat, as in, I can't accept my way out of pain, I can't do some sort of mindfulness-related exercises that will make this go away. But there is power in it. Uh, Can you outline, first of all, what ACT is for us, for a start?
1: Yeah, so acceptance and commitment therapy or ACT for short, as I as you say, you know, it can be a a bit of an off putting term. And this is something that we always sort of unpack with people when we first um, say it. And just to clarify, this isn't a way of getting rid of pain or trying to think your way out of pain. This is actually um, a way of You know finding ways of living well alongside the pain flexibly because we know that pain brings many many challenges and this isn't about you know thinking positively or you know pretending like those challenges aren't there in many ways it's about working with the challenges and you know working with the situation a person is in because that pain's already there and maybe this uh, openness or willingness can enable me to do something that i want to do or find other options for living well alongside this pain
0: I saw the analogy of an inflatable beach ball in a swimming pool, Mm -hmm. which I presume is not a bad sort of analogy to explain it more.
1: Um, So it's kind of like this acceptance of pain and, you know, the thoughts and feelings that come with pain is kind of like imagining you're in a pool um, with an inflatable beach ball and that beach ball represents the pain as well as the thoughts and feelings related to it. And imagine, you know, controlling these experiences as being like kind of pushing that beach ball underwater And really just kind of connect with what that would be like, you know, you you might do that for a few seconds and that would be possible and that would feel okay. But imagine doing that, you know, for minutes or, you know, hours and, you know, you can probably get a sense that, you know, your arms might get quite tired. And also notice that while you're holding that ball underwater, it kind of limits what you can do within the pool. So you might not be able to swim around as freely as you might want to. And eventually you might get so tired that the beach ball um, sort of pings back up and makes a big splash and those, you know, bodily sensations of pain and the related thoughts and feelings, they come very much, um, you know, in your face. What would it be like to learn some tools and strategies to allow that ball to be there and to let go of it, noticing that it's still there. And at times it might come quite close. And at other times, actually, when I let go of it, there's opportunities for it to float further away from me. Uh, And when it does come a bit closer, because I'm acknowledging it, maybe it's less, um, you know, distressing or upsetting um, than had it been when I was pushing it underwater. And I guess also notice that when, you know, we allow the ball to, you know, let go and float in the water, that might also give us other opportunities for doing things we actually want to be doing in the pool, such as swimming around.
0: Yeah, that's actually a nice analogy. So you notice the pain you step Mm -hmm. back from it in a sense accommodating it isn't the same as a sort of resigned acceptance of it either exactly
1: yeah yeah Yeah. so it's not um to be very clear it's not just that this is it this is how life is always going to be just get on with it it is a real appreciation this is really difficult and it brings up a lot of stuff that i naturally want to push down and maybe sometimes the pushing down isn't the most helpful thing in terms of the life that i want to live
0: there's another analogy Because a lot of people suffer pain at night in bed, all all sorts of pains from, you know, Mm -hmm. big pain to small pain. There's another Mm -hmm. analogy about uh, placing your pain on a cloud that's floating by in your head, which sounds a bit, Mm -hmm. it sounds a bit nebulous. But in fact, that's probably a reasonable kind of analogy to explain as well, isn't it?
1: Yeah, and certainly, I mean, it's kind of an imagery. And it's, um in a way, um, it could be kind of a strategy or an exercise someone might do, um, you know, when they are struggling to sleep because of pain. And sometimes those thoughts like, Oh, no, what will tomorrow be like, I won't be able to, you know, keep my plans, or it's going to be awful. Um, or thinking, you know, a lot about analyzing what you did the day before that might have contributed to this pain. So maybe a thought is, you know, Um, I'm not going to be able to um, fulfill my plans or keep my plans tomorrow with my friend, let's say. And with that thought, um, see what it's like to imagine placing that on a cloud that's going by in the sky. Gently notice it float by. And with each thought that passes, do that. Place each thought on a cloud.
0: So you park the thought about not being able to meet your friend because it's just too painful on the cloud. (laughs) You let the cloud drift away. And then the next day, you might just, well you might well just go and meet your friend and that actually, actually might also work for social anxiety, I was thinking.
1: Yeah, I mean, it could and certainly um, act as a treatment approach. Um, it's been shown to be effective for a whole range of different problems, physical health problems, as well as mental health difficulties. So there's some you know, common skills that can help us as human beings really. And certainly even as a clinician, um, you know, I'm I'm human as well. I experience my own difficulties in life. And these are tools that I also bring when I'm struggling um, with, you know, various aspects of of life. And it's not sort of a magic fix that makes problems go away, but it may give some wiggle room to do things differently.
0: Yeah, it doesn't make the pain go away, but it may allow you to live larger. And when you look back on the difference between before you started it and now, it may actually be quite sizable.
1: Yeah.
0: Dr. Whitney Scott is with us. You also allow for scepticism and, I imagine, defeatism. You can also put those onto a cloud or onto a boat drifting away down the river, whatever works, and wave them goodbye for a while as well.
1: Particularly when we notice we're getting really caught up in them or feeling really overwhelmed by our thoughts. And something that can happen when people, you know, begin to um, test out some of these tools is that, you know, our minds get very busy wondering if they're working or if we're doing it right or dismissing it altogether. Um, And I like to say, you know, as long as you're willing to give this a go, um, can we notice, you know, those skeptical thoughts and, and make some room for them? Or can we step back from them so that you can, you know, give this a go to see what you make of it?
0: So the more you can step back from the pain, the more the pain retreats in terms of importance in your life. That's important because mm-hmm. in a sense, the pain then does go away to an extent, doesn't it?
1: Um, I guess, again, yeah, I, it's it's really tricky to say. And for different people, they'll have different experiences. And I think that's one of the most challenging things about pain is that it's really difficult to predict what a person's pain will be day to day, and there's lots of uncertainty around that, and that also is part of the suffering that comes with pain. Uh, but if we come back to this beach ball kind of analogy, um, certainly if you know maybe you let go of that beach ball and you're maybe swimming around in the pool, maybe you're noticing the pain less, and there may be you know some instances where that pain is reduced. But as I said, pain is unpredictable, and you know maybe there's a wind that comes up, and you know that beach ball gets pushed closer to you, and it. For no reason that's within your control, the pain on a day, a person might find it worse or more intense or more bothersome. So I think we do need to allow room to say, you know, just that, you know, it's it's difficult, it's unpredictable, and sometimes it will increase um, outside of a person's control. Um, so, yeah, it's a complicated answer, as it often is with pain.
0: I was reading it helps to think of someone you admire and to ask how they would deal with the pain you have and also maybe ask yourself what you want your life to stand for because the answer will never be i want everyone to know how much pain i was in that probably helps as well both of those things. yeah and
1: again these are these are always individual things aren't they so you know some people really connect with this and others don't and you know for listeners here um you know equally, you're allowed to kind of connect with it or not, that's absolutely fine. Um, but yeah, so the basic kind of premise is, is, you know, thinking about really bringing to mind someone that you admire, that you respect, that you, you know, um, really look up to in terms of their personal qualities. And maybe first of all, just think about what qualities of that person um, you admire. You know, when I think about the person I admire in these qualities, what does this mean about me and how I want to live my life and what I want my life to stand for. And and those can seem like really big questions and in some ways unconnected to the experience of pain. Um, But pain is really difficult and it can, as I said, take people away from aspects of their life that are important to them and it can, you know, reduce people's um, motivation um, for doing, you know, various activities and having that connection with, Um, qualities that are important to us or, um, you know, things that we want to stand for in life that can be really motivating, if that makes sense.
0: Uh, Yeah, it does. And it's such an interesting area you work in with the people you treat, who you see again, I don't know how Mm -hmm. you work, but who you run into again, or who email you or whatever, what do they Mm -hmm. tell you about the effectiveness of ACT Act?
1: Yeah, and um, you know, when we kind of follow up with people or at the end of treatment, again, I keep saying this, but it's always a really individual thing. Um, And on average, you know, there's evidence saying that it can help people with things like improving their daily, you know, physical, social, and emotional functioning alongside pain. Um, And kind of going back to what you were saying before, that expression of kind of living large. And when people kind of connect with this treatment approach, they'll kind of give various examples of living large or living better and choosing how they respond rather than maybe reacting um, in a habitual way um, to the pain.
0: Good to talk with you, Dr. Whitney Scott's been discussing acceptance and commitment therapy with us. Thank you very much for your time in the evening where you are. I really appreciate you being able to give us a conversation about this.
1: It's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me.